0: Dear Church Podcast.
1: Shave your hair, bro. Anyway. That's why he was late. He was doing his hair. <laughs>
2: I was late because I snoozed it two or three times, and then I was just slow moving. And then I messed up my waffles nah, this morning. No, nah, you, you, you were late because you were you were late because you were fighting on Twitter. Yeah.
0: All right, this episode of Dear Church is centered around a very uh, near and dear topic to all of us because we are either from the background of uh, what we're going to speak of, or we are involved in creating the product, okay? So we're talking about preacher's kids today, PKs. And we thought it'd be a good thing to kind of go around and talk about, um, well, I don't know, we could either talk about our background, if we're, two of us are PKs, um and i think
1: two of us are raising obviously four of us are raising pks so tom you want to start us off sure my father began pastoring two months before i was born and pastored for the next 38 years there are six children in our family i'm fifth of six children four girls two boys at the end and then my wife mandy and i we have one daughter in heaven and we have three children age age range at the moment from 19 to 12. martin Uh, i was not a
3: preacher's kid um but i have four children going from 16 down to nine. And so I'm having the perspective of, uh, you know, raising a preacher's kid, if such a thing exists, but we'll get to that.
0: They're kind of, you know, like Sasquatch, I guess,
2: right? Go ahead. My timer's going off here.
0: Time
3: for a protein bar, Mr. Health Coach. (laughs) (laughs) We now cut to this advert while Steve Brodnack Eats a protein bar. His services as a health coach are available if you go to www.and back to our regular programming.
2: <laughs> I had the opportunity to be raised in a single parent home by my mom. My mom never remarried until way later in life. I was in my 30s when she remarried, so I was raised with um, an older brother, older sister, and then my dad had two more children. So I have two half brothers that are younger than me. And I grew up in an independent fundamental Baptist church and I didn't have a dad at home. So my perspective was that if you had a dad at home, everything would be perfect and you'd be awesome. And on top of that, I viewed preacher's kids as like super special. Like they're kind of like my heroes and they're flawless, but I have discovered (laughs) pastor's kids are not that way.
1: We could have told you that. (laughs) In fact, Russ and I could have told you (laughs) that.
2: (laughs) My kids are. I've Uh learned preacher's kids are, yeah. Anyways, and then I have three boys of my own, ranging from 20 down to 16, and I have learned interesting things about Preacher's Kids, and it's been a learning experience. So my
0: story and testimony in that regard is that I was raised in the church that my grandfather started, and my grandfather was my pastor my whole life up until I became the pastor at the church that my grandfather started, which is an awesome and unique opportunity, I feel. That whole time my dad and mom of course served alongside him as soon as my dad graduated Bible college, moved back here, and so I was raised as a, I guess a preacher's grandkid, but my dad was also for a long time the co-pastor of the church. He was always an assistant pastor at the church, and so still same kind of same kind of deal. A lot of a lot of ministry in our in our heritage. I'm thankful for that. I'm told there's a story on my grandfather's mom's side that there's an uncle who was a a preacher, a circuit riding preacher, actually, who died of pneumonia because he was baptizing in the winter in the river. I mean, just a you know just a precious heritage. I have four kids of my own. First of all, I was raised with I had two brothers, and uh, so there's three of us. And then now I have four kids of my own, and they're awesome. They're quite lively, and they are not perfect, but we're doing our best and we're excited to see what the lord does in their lives I think we should talk a little bit about uh, preacher kid stereotypes for a minute like what are some of the things that that preachers kids maybe grow up all of them have in common um in the sense that they feel like they're you know living a fishbowl right you know, always the stereotypes of being a a preacher's kid. I think one of them would be Mm. that, you know, you you kind of feel like everybody has an inside view into your life, and the primary reason for that, I might add, is because you are the topic of many sermon illustrations. Oh, unsolicited.
1: (laughs) I read a a book one time, it was written for pastor's kids. I didn't read it as a child, I read it as a parent, and it was very good, and one of the things in that book uh, said you should never use your children as sermon illustrations unless you ask their permission first. Sure. Which ideally is wonderful, mm. but never works out in practice. Oh, so no. my children <laughs> no. have read that book, and they slaughter me all the time Yeah, after the service. Hey, Dad, you were supposed to ask us first. And I, yeah. I, I try not to. It does
3: happen because um, you, you use illustrations from your life experience, but I always try to not share anything that would embarrass them. In a serious way, right? Right. If yeah. I do, I leave it nameless. If it's yeah. kind of like a funny, right. embarrassing, I won't name which
0: child. I I will say that I I vowed. I I guess I can't say I vowed, but I determined in my heart that I would not use my kids as illustrations because of how jaded I was. And now <laughs> I use working? them all <laughs> the <what> time. <laughs> time. They're they're not quite to that point where they're self conscious. You know what I mean? Like my oldest is eight right now, and I'll I'll talk about our three year old. He's a real fun one. But the eight year old, I'm starting to kind of. Eat off on him a little bit because mm. i can tell that when i say something he gets a little bit embarrassed he gets a little self-conscious and i'm kind of careful with all of that but i also teach a young couples class in our church and many of those parents have young children and so it's kind of like yeah well, i'm going to talk mm-hmm. about my kids <laughs> well, i think then it's it's kind of using
3: again it's that life experience it's being able to associate with the people you're teaching and in a young couples class i mean that is context But I think that's an advantage you've kind of brought out of having been a preacher's kid. You kind of have a perspective on being the, you know, frequent sermon illustration. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think a stereotype that I've already kind of brought up is just the perfection of a preacher's kid. And I find that even. So you're saying that it's a a stereotype from the outside times. Yeah. From. Yeah. That everybody expects the preacher's kid to be. Yeah. I thought they. Step above. Yeah. I thought they were like. You know, and I find myself, which isn't that uncommon that when someone's a preacher, their children will end up being preachers, but I have a lot of good friends that are preachers' kids. You know, Tom and yeah. Brother Rush, you, you being two examples of that. And I don't know, I'm still even working through the fact that I fear sometimes that my children do things and then they become the standard in other people's minds. Like, oh, the preacher's kid's doing that, so it must be okay when that's not the case.
0: Well, I can tell you this. I find it very interesting that your stereotype is- is that preachers kids were perfect because there is another one
1: sure right the, the, <laughs> the, the, the preacher's kid who's the who's the rebel who's the yeah. uh... Who's the devil? Who's the I mean, I think there's some country music along that line. Uh huh. I wasn't going to bring that up, but I'm glad yeah. you did. <laughs> I, I have no knowledge of this
0: of country music. Martin, we'll, Not we'll let you we'll show you what a banjo is later. OK,
1: <laughs> but sure. I mean, that's that's yeah. and, and there's like like some. And I think Martin, you said this the other day. It's often stereotypes have have an element of truth in them, which is how they become stereotypes. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think that's true. There are. You know, preacher's kids who certainly have run away from the Lord as fast as they possibly could, either in right. rebellion against their parents or against the Lord or both, and uh have become I used to characters
0: have a, we used to say preacher's kids are the worst, just kind of tongue in cheek. Well, you Do know,
1: you think that's now, a <laughs> I'm just gonna testify for a moment, as both a preacher's kid and a preacher. The reason preacher's kids are bad is because they're around with deacon's kids. Oh,
3: that makes a lot of sense, which is why my kids are okay. Well then you got the influence of missionary kids. Oh, but is there any different, different podcast different, <laughs>
0: different <laughs> different altogether?
3: Oh, well, I've That's been a missionary a job, and a pastor a uh-huh. and, uh, and my tough, brother, man. he's a deacon and his kids are the one. No, I'm just kidding. They're, they're amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> so, no, look, but I think as far as, you know, you've got the, those kind of two, although well, the two uh, stereotypes, sorry. On. Do you think the one of going off into sin is maybe at least in part influenced because they've had such high expectations put on them and in trying to rebel against
1: that they you know just go to an extreme i think you're asking two different questions one question is why is that a stereotype why do we perceive that as being mm-hmm. a problem? The other is what causes it.
3: Yeah. And again, there's always personal responsibility, but I'm kind of wondering if you've grown up for you know 15, 16 years and you've had undue pressure pressure put upon you to be something, and then finally you've got the liberty to just go out and do what you want, it's mm-hmm. kind of like an explosion of like 15 years of pent up. Uh, it depends. Know. Yes and no. I it mean, depends. I,
1: wise pastors try to mitigate that. You can't right. mitigate it totally. Your father can help mitigate that, and your mother, by, yeah. by teaching your church not to you know, that your kids are human and, you know, allowing in yes, you know, yeah. treatment of them, you know, not those sorts of things, but. And that's why that I mentioned personal responsibility, there. you know, that you can never,
3: I think we've talked to before about Cain and Abel, you know, no two children ever had as identical an upbringing but they their right. paths diverged and i think we've mentioned before that we you know we are great we want to be gracious towards each other because to a degree Absolutely. things are out of our control but Absolutely. i like what you mentioned about you know the father making sure you let your church know that they do not put mm-hmm. that pressure upon right. and I think their kid, you know your kids
2: i think that's one of the th- things that we want to accomplish in this podcast is helping church members i guess minister to the pastor's family Because Hmm. I I had experience a good friend of mine, brother Rick Carter, his daughter, who's now an adult, she's married, she at a, we were eating at a meal at a conference he was having, and she just kind of went off on the pressure pastor kids feel. And as she did that, it sounded like I was listening to my oldest son. Mm-hmm. It was an awakening moment for me. Cause I was like, I thought it was just my son's, yeah. you know, attitude or not having the right attitude, but it was, it was like really a thing that, you know, there's this expectation put on preacher's kids that they're perfect and that they should be the ones jumping up to serve. When there's something to do at the church, and they they should because they're church members, but just because they're preachers' kids doesn't mean they're um, low key employees of the church. Well, let's
0: ask let's ask some questions of of one another. All of us are raising preachers' kids, and two of us have been you know preachers' kids. So maybe we can all pull our maybe we can all pull our experience a little bit and answer these questions. Um, what are what are some mistakes? And this, we can do this without throwing each other under the bus, without throwing our parents under the bus. <laughs> you know, what are what are some mistakes maybe that pastors can make in raising their children that might leave them with the with the wrong idea of ministry and and of the Lord?
1: I think the classic one comes to mind first is, is fathers who are too busy in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Right, they mm-hmm. make that mistake with their wives. They marry Christ bride instead of their own, and they make that mistake with their children. I've heard pastors say, men in ministry say, with big ministries that my job is to take care of the church and God will take care of my family. Right. Mm. And, and that's so unbiblical. Correct. And, uh, in, in Chicago, I made a mistake. Uh, one mistake in my 16 years there. I'll, I'll share it right now. <laughs> and it was it was well-meaning. I wanted to connect the Chicago has a great religious history with that church, in which was in the city limits of Chicago. And so I put up four pictures on the wall of famous Chicago pastors or preachers with connections. One's Billy Sunday, one's D.L. Moody, one's Jack Hiles. And then I put our former pastor, my predecessor up there because he's famous in our church. But one day it dawned on me, each of those three men, D.L. Moody, Billy Sunday, and Jack isles were bad fathers. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you have to be a bad father to have a big ministry, but it often goes to A.W. Tozer, huge ministry, terrible father. I mean, I, I, I could walk you through church history and show you example after example after example of men. We appreciated respect for their ministry, and I'm not trying to knock that ministry. Right. But we get too busy. That's interesting. William Carey,
3: you know, so many of the famous missionaries as well. You know,
2: I heard a preacher share the fact that there is a book about presidential fathers. And that tracks the same way. The hmm. better a president was, the weaker the father they were. And the weaker the president, the better the father. Can we all maybe say that it's not. Okay, so we've all
0: been too busy in ministry. Yes. We have all been there. So at what point does it become detrimental? See, that's hard to answer
1: until right. it's too late. Because uh, as, yeah.
0: talk- as you were talking,
3: I was thinking, you know, I feel like I'm constantly having to readdress the balance, yep. you know, and at one point I know it hit me how much time I was devoting to the ministry, at the expense of my family, and I rebalanced it. But then as time has gone on, I feel like it kind of ebbs and flows. I'm constantly
0: having to you know, refocus well, that's things.
3: That's what balancing and,
1: is, consolation. Well, there's, mm. also, there's also
0: some dichotomies here, right? I mean, for instance, one is we can make the mistake of not involving our kids in ministry at all or over-involving them. I, I remember one pastor's kid, I heard him say, I don't know how to play baseball. My dad only took me, ever took me soul winning, you know? And, and he was oh, being wow. hilarious. Like he slammed his dad who was standing right there. You know, it was one of those kind of things. And he's like, I don't know how to throw a baseball. I only ever passed out tracks. And he was just being real sarcastic. But sure. there is that kind of like, okay, where do I find? that. You know, one area is the busy area, right? I don't want to be too busy for my family and ministry, but I also want to be busy about my father's business. And I want, I want to see, a, a, you know, God bless the ministry. So there is a there is a balance to strike there somewhere. You can spend yeah.
1: time with your family in the ministry. Yes, you can. And I think actually, I don't mean to cut you off.
2: Steve. No, you're fine. I,
1: I think actually there's advantages here. So often we look mm-hmm. at the disadvantages. As pastors, we largely, at least the four of us in the room, we set our own schedule for the most part. Right. Now, obviously, there's dictates to that, but we set our own schedule. So I used to tell my kids all the time, you've eaten a lot more meals with me than every other kid on this block has with their father. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, I went home for lunch.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I went home for supper. Okay. I didn't schedule a lot of activities in the evening weekends. That's how I structured our church on purpose. So there's things you can do that give you, you know, you can take your kids to the hospital. Somebody said that the other day, going to hospital, visiting and getting an you know, ice cream cone with your dad. You can, there are things you can do with your parents. You can. And there's
0: also maybe a, a balance of, well, there's the danger of overcompensating, right? Like I didn't grow up going to Disney World every year. Now that's just our family too. We're, we're pretty, you know, simple. We We kind of get into patterns and do the same thing over and over again. And, you know, and it's so funny. My mom, my mom was the adventurous one, and my dad was kind of the pattern one in our in our family. I think my wife is has that desire for more adventure and and that kind of thing, and I'm more like, oh, we could just sit at home and and just chill today, you know. And that, and so you have to figure that. That's kind of a, an internal balance you have to find. It's hard for me. I'll be honest with you. Like we're hitting on one of my major insecurities because sometimes I find that I'm I'm my own worst enemy and. I go home and I set my schedule and I go home and then I feel guilty that I haven't done it right for all this time and now I'm trying and i and then I waste the time that I have there.
1: I want to shift to you, Steve. Steve wants to shift yes. to Steve right now, <laughs> I have to jump in here. But doesn't doesn't your wife help you understand when you're out of balance as a uh-huh. pastor? My wife
2: is more than willing to correct my imbalances.
1: <laughs> all of them.
0: Say <laughs> on. Say on. Living united,
2: definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wanted to mention the fact that when it comes to, there are no cookie cutter pastors and there is a ministry culture that a pastor creates and was trained in. And I find, you know, some preachers are, give their whole Saturdays. And, you know, that came to my mind when you were talking about sports and that was something I kind of struggled with because when my kids were young, we had Saturday soul when, and now we don't do it that way, but it really, heretic. it gave, yeah, I know it gave <laughs> me a, you know, it, it kind of hurt me in the fact that it felt like my kids couldn't get involved in those things. And then it hit me that, you know, I could miss soul it once in a while, which yeah, that again, again heretic, right. Yeah, that right. And then heretic. Right. And, and that's the thing. So many things happen on a Saturday, but I also, I also have preacher friends that they're, it's kind of like their whole lives don't revolve around the church and ministry too. I mean, kind of weird for me, because that's kind of the way we function. You know,
0: so every that is true, that is right. true. Have the parents approach. Before? Well, yeah. the parents approach to ministry is going to greatly affect the attitude and outlook of their children on ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that we're getting to even maybe where we can talk about that a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in a small Christian school. It's, it is some people have opportunity where others don't, you know, and I like what you said, by the way, uh, there have been times where I've missed a Saturday because I took my son, Eli on a youth hunt. You know, we like hunting. My son, Eli is eight years old. He's already killed his first deer, his first turkey, and he loves it. I mean, he is, he would go out in the freezing cold, in the wind, in the rain and sit with me and just be like ready to go. You know, he is kind of like me in that area. Uh, my other son, Travis, he's six years old right now. And you know, he's just not quite as passionate about it. And so I have to find other things to do with him. Yeah. We, we missed a Saturday to go hunting this year. Absolutely. Uh, and then I was going to say about the sports, you know, I didn't I didn't start playing basketball until I was a sophomore in high school. And it shows the reason that I didn't is because we had a Christian school of like 25 kids. And finally, someone jumped in there and started a we had to have uh, we had five starters and then two on the bench. And the two on the bench were like sixth grade because we had to have someone on the bench. You know, I mean, if someone fouls out, you got to be there. Seventh grade. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, so it was not a high level of competition whatsoever. And I remember those days fondly, I really do. But you can make those mistakes, right? Trying to make a cookie cutter style of raising kids, being too busy. Uh, I think another one's bringing a lot of negative church business home with you as a pastor. You know, do you guys struggle with that? Not too much. But just before we move on from that other thing, you know, talking about sports and, and you know, I, I don't think
3: it's nece- necessarily a bad thing for them to have a focus on ministry. Now, I understand we're talking about an extreme where, you know, the kids Exclusive. never get to it. right. Yeah. But, you know, how many of the kids we know whose parents, they, they miss everything so their kids can be in sports and then they get out of school and they never play that sport again? That's right. And so I, I think, you know, the other, you know, it's we want to give them a heavenly mindset and, you know, just let them know, you know what? You may not get to play sports, but you know there is another side to it. So then
0: what are what are some of the obvious
3: advantages of being a pastor's kid? Because that's what I was thinking. you know yeah. it's, it's, it can be a disadvantage and, and we do get it wrong. I know I get it wrong. But again, the advantage for them to see that there is an eternal reward, that there is something beyond the temporary, I think that's an advantage. And it's something we have, I think, as preachers and pastors and teachers. We have a constant awareness of these things because it's not only our call as a Christian, but it's also our, our job, for want of a better word.
1: And, and I think that's a great point to make because what is a father's primary scriptural job? Bringing up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Correct. Right. And if anybody should know the Bible better, not, not that we have an right priesthood of the believer. Anybody can access God, but our, our life is spent in the word of God, which means we should have an advantage when it comes to bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Imagine what Paul said about the Jews, that they had built in advantages because they had this and mm. this and this mm-hmm. and this. And I, I think there's, there's spiritual advantages. We shouldn't apologize for those mm. or minimize those. Those are genuine advantages that you have a mother and father who have given their life to serve the Lord and walk with the Lord and study the word of God. And you grow up in that kind of a home where Mm. where you're soaked in all of that, that is an enormous advantage.
0: You cannot replace the advantage that a pastor's kid has of being involved in serving the Lord at a young age. I mean, that's invaluable. And that's something yeah. that I remember is like, I got to do things. I got to serve in ministry as a young person. And that's by the grace of God. But that is also because of the advantage. That was yeah. that's a I think stands good. out in my mind, you know
3: yeah and so long as this is kind of always put across as opportunity and not you know something that's demanded and expected because you're the son of the pastor um yeah
2: and that that brings this question to mind and i kind of put it out to all of you but i want brother tom since he appears to be the oldest amongst us i see what you did there yes because he's so wise. Definitely. So here, here's the question. As a pastor and pastor's wife ministering to our children that are preacher's kids, at what level do we make them aware of the pressure that exists that their life could affect their father's job, ministry, <sighs> career, mm. everything? Because let's face it, every other profession, if a kid, maybe that's... with the exception of a politician to some extent, although that's not totally even accurate. But I, yeah, I mean, how do you rustle Yeah, I think that
0: has to be an organic thing because here's the flip side of that coin. Their father's job affects their friends. Hmm. I mean, if if all of yeah. a sudden dad yeah. dad gets called and I mean that seriously, like I'm not disrespectfully, but dad gets called to another ministry. Guess what? I just lost all my friends. Yeah, but that's true yeah. of
1: business people, too.
0: It is it is true of business people, but I would say I would say your job as a pastor and my job is is relationships with a family where it's not always that way in the world, in the business world. I Understand? You know, well, where my family, well, my church family is—is my, is my kids' is that's their that is their comfort zone. Whereas if I'm a,
1: an executive at Walmart, that may not be my kids' comfort zone. To answer your question, Steve. I don't think my parents ever brought that up with me, Mm -hmm. but I think I knew it when I saw one of my siblings acting in obviously inappropriate ways. And it crossed my mind that could force my dad to resign. Uh, And I I don't think I ever brought it up with my children until I felt I had to in a sort of similar situation once. Yeah, I
2: have fought to ever bring it up to my kids because I didn't want that pressure on them. I'm not saying I never did. If if you're if a child has a rebellious spirit at the time that
0: you bring that up, that could really blow up in your face because oh, yeah, they could yeah. throw the exact opposite in your face and say, "Yeah, well, your job affects me too." I mean, well, they, when they you do. ask, and then and they do, yeah, and, and they'll do that anyway. That is true, but, <laughs> which,
1: is, but which is fine. They they have the right. But to But the do
0: that. question he asked was, "When do you make your
2: kids aware?" And I would say yeah.
0: that no, I, I think they, you
2: they when are you make aware. I'm saying to what degree. Or do you at all? That's uh, I'm yeah, just I think that's like a very subliminally, very subtly, yeah. very carefully, very prayerfully. Very Rarely, right? Very so rarely. if there's a preacher listening to this and he's he's holding that over his kids, oh, you can't do that. That's the we wrong would thing. That is,
0: oh no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. You well, can't when
3: do you that. were asking that question, my thought was never. <laughs> like it's. Right It's I not the, it's not the child's job to behave so Dad gets to keep his job. It's Dad's right. job to be a good dad, his family. Yeah, the responsibility is not on the children. the responsibility is on the father. And if your children only obey because of that outward <laughs> it, performance, then yeah. you fail if it's you know, point if, if it's if it's not a hard change and i think that's any dad needs to to have that focus and uh, you know uh, w- my pastor used to talk all the time about the the you know proverbial kid who sits down because he's told to sit down but he says i'm standing up on the inside Mm -hmm. and if our kids only behave so dad gets to keep his job as soon as they're 18 and out the door and dad's job isn't on the line anymore yeah they're gonna blow out exterior motivations so i think they become aware of it just through teaching and preaching ministry but it should never be something i think put on
1: them i have mentioned that i think in, in retrospect in preaching as a way of cautioning my church against putting too much pressure on my children sure right Right. Say saying, for example, my children already feel pressure because of this, this, this. Mm. And I don't know, maybe I should have done that, but I don't <laughs> think I, I d- did it very much. I think in the natural teaching ministry of a church it's going to
3: come up. But, you know, I think that's a lot different from you being at home and saying, hey, look, if right. you don't sit right in Club, church, then your kids over there. we're going to lose, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm going to lose my job. We're going to lose our house. We're going to be homeless. Sure. We're going to be on the streets because you you had a loud candy wrapper when I was preaching. That, that's God sure. hasn't designed it, our children. I mean, that's not what you were doing. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, that's I understand.
0: Is it fair to say that one of the biggest dangers to pastors' kids is becoming bitter? Absolutely. It's definitely a danger. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's some natural dangers. You know, a pastor's kid could grow up and never get saved, mm-hmm. you know, those are those are far worse. But I mean, if a pastor's kid grows up, sees what is and, and, and we've all seen this. Right. Or our kids have all seen it where dad gets, you know, attacked. Dad gets dad gets mistreated. There, and by the way, there's something about when your dad gets mistreated, when your dad is honored. Those have those have a big effect. Either one of those have a tremendous effect, even if you're even if you're like, you know, always at odds with your father, that natural uh, father son. I'll just use the father son tension that exists there. Mm. And when my dad gets honored, it's like it's such a warm thing to me. It's like, oh, praise God. I'm so glad he he deserved that, you know. But when he gets attacked, I'm like, let's go. And I remember my dad was fantastic and is still fantastic. We didn't criticize preachers doesn't mean we we never talked about issues, Mm. but we never made it a topic of conversation. There were times my dad said, "Okay, he's up there, you know, and it wasn't wasn't a political thing. It was just, hey, listen, you know, that's we're not going to talk about that. But there were other times where there were there were people in ministry who caused my dad some issues. And I remember at one point he finally he couldn't stop us anymore. We We were just like as kids, we were just like, you know what, here's what I really think. And all of us. Just started saying that. And you know what? It transitioned from dad being the protector and leader of the home to where now his sons were his allies and his sons right. were his were were there You're with
1: him. In the hands of a mighty man
0: yes,
3: yes That's a natural 100%. progression it's
1: scriptural reference yeah so. thank you
3: thank yeah. you <laughs> and you i think that having that foundation of treating other
0: preachers and pastors with respect even if there's disagreement so so what are we you know, looking to teach our kids and and we may not be able to teach them like sit them down and say okay look you need to know this bullet point i'm not saying that i'm saying what are we looking to instill in our children, how to train them. We want to we want to see them grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our our primary prayer request is that all of our children will be saved. I pray that every day for those two of our kids are saved, two of our kids are not. They're too young. Uh, I pray that God will help them to be saved at an early age. But then training our kids to grow up with a with a good outlook on ministry. A positive outlook on ministry, without bitterness in their heart. What are some things that we can do and strive for in that?
1: Let's throw this to the oldest among us. Well,
0: surely first of all, it's about discipleship, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you, we don't raise
3: them as pastors' kids; we, re, we raise them as children of the Lord. Like you've already said, Tom, about raising them in the nurture and admonition oh, of the Lord.
0: That's good. Making sure they understand their identity.
3: Yeah, their which real is identity. first of all is in Christ. We yeah. want to we want to win them to the Lord and then
0: disciple them. And by the way, that's a father's job before Mm -hmm. it's a pastor's job. Absolutely.
2: And before it's the church's job. Yeah, 100 percent. And that's really the go to in this. And it's it's not overly simplistic, but that's it's what pastors need to do for preachers, kids, for their children is be their dad like anyone else would be their dad and to bring them up. But it also is the reminder, and it goes along with what you just said, Brother Martin, is discipling your children has to happen outside of the pulpit. In other words, just thinking your children are getting all their spiritual instruction because they're sitting and listening to you preach in a service, I think misses the boat. And you've got to have those times of personal investment and family altar, and you know the word of God as you as you wait. You know as Deuteronomy talks about. You know as you get up and go to sleep and work and, and all those things. Yeah, when
0: you're when you get up in the morning, when you go down you go to bed at night. You know, in every area as you walk by the way. All of that. we need, And I think that's key, is bringing Christ into every area of life intentionally and not making it about, mm. I'm doing this because I'm the pastor. Say, I'm doing yeah. this because I'm your father. But that has to be communicated almost non-verbally. Don't you, don't you agree? It's a living relationship, isn't it? The verbal it's, communication yeah. of that needs to be rare, where it, we look at them and say, listen, I'm not doing this because I'm a pastor. I'm doing this because I'm a father. You have mm-hmm. to prove that to them as opposed to saying it to I'm not
1: them. so sure I agree with that. Not, not, sure. not, I don't violently disagree with it, but one of the things we have to keep in mind in parenting is we're not just parenting; we're teaching them how to parent.
0: Yeah,
3: mm-hmm.
1: I think Proverbs tells us. If Proverbs says, and I can't think of the reference at the moment, that the gl- the the glory, something about how a, a man's grandchildren are his glory or something. I think the test of a man's parenting is not his children; it's, it's his, his grandchildren.
0: grandchildren. That's uh, I hundred percent And you're living proof
1: of that. And the grace of God, of course, which means that in in parenting our children, we're not just parenting them; we're teaching them to parent. Which means. Back to the the pushback, general pushback I'm giving you. I do think when you're parenting your children and you're doing something you believe God wants you to do, you should tell them, this is what God told me to do, and I want you to understand that, so you do this when you're... I I think as far as a
0: method, though it should be known before it's said. Like it should be, it, you should, yeah. once you say it, you should you say it as this is why I've, I've done this all these it years. It to be exemplified exactly. much more than it is yeah. lectured. You know, one and, thing and that the- my parents did that helped me a lot was they they kind of made it obvious through various means that there are pros and cons to any child's upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, a lot of times we get the yeah. the pity party going on. Well, you know, nobody understands what it's like to be a fill in the blank. And we would put in their pastor's kid. And I was never allowed to do that. It's like, hey, stop. <laughs> and we have they a large cool. contingent of military people yeah. in our church and we would say where are you
3: from and they're like well that's complicated because right. they've just moved around and so they've had disadvantages sure. pros and cons in the same way a preacher's kid protect would protect
1: them from bitterness right yes. so mm. I pastored many immigrants and consequently many immigrant children mm. and you know pointing that out to my children gently and saying listen you know they've had some 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 real struggles you've never had and, and, I think and that's true of lots of different sorts of people. Trying to keep them away from that victim culture. Yes, very very yeah. well said. You
2: know. And I think a regular heavy dose of emphasizing the advantages of being a preacher's kid and de-emphasizing the perceived disadvantages because I think it's awesome to be a preacher's kid. I was never it, but my kids have traveled. They've got to sit and have meals with preachers. Yeah. They have mm-hmm. got a dad that has very flexible schedule as preachers. But I mean, our, our schedules in some respects are very inflexible at times in certain church emergencies and intense times of ministry. But so is the policeman's. Sure, right. Mm. Yeah, there is you know. great flexibility, but there is also those times that don't flex, yeah. so.
0: Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, like a lot of times your first responders or your your healthcare workers and whatnot, they work these, you know, they work 15 days a, a month. That doesn't mean they're not busy. It means that those 15 days could be 16 hour days, but they could be 24 hour days. I mean, I, I was meeting one of our officers over at the jail to go up to Indianapolis at one point, and another officer was there whose shift ended at 10 o'clock the night before, and he was there at five in the morning still. Why? Well, because he would arrested someone and processed them and it took all night. My point is, is that it's not just pastors who have scheduling issues. Mm. So teach your kids, yeah. hey, look, there are more than just pastors kids who deal with some of these similarities, you know. I
1: think so much of this goes back to what you just mentioned a minute ago, which I pushed back against, but which you're still right about. We're both right about. But <laughs> you're right we're about. both right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go.
2: That's uh, the f- only time he's ever said that we're both right, by the way. That's obviously uh, just, a guy that wears a Cubs hat and a White Sox hat, which we discovered this week, so you yeah. can definitely play if both you're settings. looking for
1: flaws there's a whole lot more than that yeah that's right uh, the idea that attitudes are more contagious actions are more influential than statements mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if i if i and I, we all understand every every man in the room no matter how old or young <sighs> you are you understand the burden of the ministry i'm not making light of that right but if our attitude toward our ministry is one of grief is one of sorrow is one of resentment is one of bitterness, that, of course, will be seen and it will it will grow on our children like mold. But if we genuinely love what God has called us to do, love Mm -hmm. the people we are called to serve, and there's genuine joy in our heart to serve the Lord, that is really hard to deny in a child's heart. That's interesting. Do you think there's a point at which
3: a church is perhaps so Toxic? I was trying to avoid that toxic. I know, I'm with you on that, but that's that's the word that I'm thinking. That's the word that was in my head. I hate that word. But yeah, toxic. Let's Let's go with it. Let's roll. Let's be hip and trendy. (laughs) Where a church is so toxic that the pastor
1: says, you know what? I am pulling my family out of this. Okay, so I just wrote a blog series about pastoral transitions, which I'm turning into a book. And it's one of the the valid reasons I think a pastor needs to leave a church over is if it's harming his family. Mm. And his children and his wife need to feel he's he, they come first. And if it is necessary, if your church culture is toxic or caustic, if it is acidic, <laughs> if it's harming your children, you mm-hmm. can't keep them in a bubble, right? So let's balance that. But let's move right. on. If it's that toxic, if it is dangerous for your children, if your children need to be in a different environment, there is no shame in doing that. Your responsibility as a, as a husband and a father comes first.
0: Mm, I agree true. with that. And and there, like you said, balance that. There's ways to, to deal with your... Yeah, I know the you're ext- trying to say. The extreme situations require us to get out. Yes. The situations that are common to pastoring. Usually you just need to lead. Yes. Ex- yes. You need to. Your kids need to see you deal with it. Yeah. It's like if a guy on the street walked by and offended your wife, you wouldn't say, well, let's talk about this and let's just kind of, you know, you'd be like, hey, bud. And that would be it. You would deal with it right there. And, and that's usually where your wife's like, no, 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 no. She's pulling your arm. Don't get in a fight. Don't get in a fight. <laughs> but she's glad you were willing to deal with it. I didn't
1: deal with it. I sent my black belt son to deal with
0: it. Ah, Well, then, then you, but you raised a son to do that. It was then, delegation. Right? Yeah. It was exactly. Kid. It's leadership. Is it what I just said? Leadership. <laughs> Take care of it. You delegated it. That speaks volumes to either the pastor's wife or the pastor's kids when they see that dad is not just like, well, we're just going to roll over and play dead. Sure. And a lot of what we do as pastors require us to let things bounce off our back. Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so we need to teach our kids the difference between saying, I'm not ignoring this issue. I'm just dealing with it by forgiving them and moving on and realizing they're sheep, or saying, you know what? That crossed the line. I'm going to say something. And And that's a spirit-led decision that has to be made. How do we, before we close the broadcast out, and we're probably close to that, but how do we emphasize the good of ministry? Because it's great, okay? Without glossing over and denying the bad
2: so that our kids, you know, kind of along the lines of what I just said, right? Where our kids are like, well, dad never dealt with that. I would say... The key to that is not acting like there's a conflict. Ministry is awesome, and your family is awesome. Oh, that's cool. and some of this, the stats that we talked about, as far as you talked about some great preachers that didn't weren't good fathers, and I brought up the president's right. you know, book that I heard a preacher reference, and you know, a good queen doesn't raise a good son necessarily, Martin. Um, but uh, he's not <laughs> a big fan of Charles, are you? <laughs> is that correct?
3: That has never been a good king, Charles, in okay. the whole of British history. <laughs> All right,
2: eleven hundred years. Yeah.
1: We're so, going to defer to your knowledge in that area. Yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs>
2: So I don't I don't I don't think we should lose hope in that fact, but I think a, a good key is in keeping our attitude and our kids' attitude right, and we even hold the people we pastor to this standard because we've all pastored people that act like the church is at odds with family, and yes. the fact of the matter is it should all work together, mm-hmm. and there's not that conflict. That's and good. You can enjoy family time while you're doing ministry, and you can you can just get away from ministry stuff and just enjoy time with the family, and and it's it's just to me it's foolish as a pastor to not have a vac- with their children not take days off and, right. and I, I just think that's preachers many times being sanctimonious I'm gonna I'm gonna say this and it pains me to say it but that was very wise
0: <laughs> and here's why <laughs> it's own record Here, here's why okay wow I say that there. I say that sarcastically and I, and I well I mean it but you know what I'm saying what you just said is is helping them realize there's not a conflict right sometimes but in a, in a preacher's kid's mind there is there can be at times however two things my parents taught me and I, and I just say they just taught me about life when they taught me, this. They taught me, <laughs> this is gonna sound heartless, but it it has helped me. They taught me number one, life's not fair. Life in general is not fair. And Jesus said it's impossible, but that offenses should will come. Okay, so so that is scriptural. It's gonna happen. You will get hurt, and it doesn't matter. You can't hide from it by exiting the ministry or running from the ministry. The other thing they taught me was this statement, and it's again somewhere probably in scripture, but I'd have to think about it. <laughs> Figure it out. There were times mm-hmm. that I tattled on my brothers or my brothers tattled on me. And the answer was not to come in and say, hey, you know, you guys do this, do this, do this. Let me Fix it for you. It was well. Go back in the room and figure it out. What? Yeah. Go back in there and figure it out yes. because that's 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 life. You you have to figure things out, and that that factors into your answer there. So that's why I say it was very wise.
1: One of the things I think that we so often neglect in these in these conversations about parenting is the great example in parenting is God. God's the Father, mm-hmm. and if we really want to know how to parent, God is the model. H- how does God parent us? Right. We are. He's a perfect father, we are imperfect children. That's correct. We are imperfect fathers. Parenting imperfect children, but he's the model. So how does God father? How does he parent? Mm. How did he deal with Christ as a perfect child? But how does he deal with us? I think there's. I think that's such an undeveloped yeah. study or pursuit. And I think and, if we can, if we can at least mentally prioritize that or focus on that, and and say, when I don't know the answer, and I'm for reading parenting books. I, I own thirty of them. I've read them. I'm, I'm for studying that. That's the whole thing. I haven't said there. I'm for studying how to be a better parent. But God is the model. God, God is always the answer. He always is. And notice you,
0: Sorry, Martin, go ahead.
3: No, I was going to say, and that's something which kind of connects with the question I've had in my mind, and this may have to be kicked off into another episode, but how do we react then as pastors and parents, first of all, as parents, but also pastors, when maybe our children, as they grow up, they do take a different path? Mm. Is that something yeah. for another episode? Yeah,
2: that, yeah. yeah. I agree. In, in 10 years. yeah. And, <laughs> for you in 10 years. Yeah. And let well, me just say, I'll just put it on the record because my sons will no doubt listen to this, is I thank God for my three boys, and they live in a world. And I remember older guys saying this when I was a teenager, and it was probably true, but they live in a world that I don't even comprehend at that age. If social media existed when I was their age, I would have made a utter buffoon of myself, and they manage it fairly good. We have we kept them from it. But the fact of the matter is, as they get older now and they're involved in that, I... I think the world of my boys, and I don't know y'all think the world of your children. Yeah,
3: yeah. And I, w- I would add that I thank the Lord for my church because I don't feel like any of the negatives that we've talked oh, about. Lord. My my children feel where we yeah. are now, and mm-hmm. yeah. I, yeah, I'm really excited Same. that they're having that experience growing up in
0: the church that we're in. One thought for the pastors' kids out there that helped me growing up is the Bible says that after Jesus, you know, was found in the temple and, and as a 12 year old boy and all that, and of course he even corrected his parents because he was God when he said, you know, I must, must be about my father's business. But one verse that really helped me is after all of that, it says, so he went down with them and was subject unto them. Yeah, and while you just said, our God is a perfect father and he has imperfect children. Well, Jesus was a perfect son and had imperfect parents. The humility of that. Mm. And he was still subject unto them. And so make sure you understand that, the, that there are a lot of there are a lot
2: of moms and dads out there who wish they were perfect, but they're not. And just uh, just follow the Lord. So Jesus corrected his parents. That's a great observation. That's comforting, because now I know my kids are like Jesus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You'll understand that when your kids get older. But and uh, yeah,
1: parenting is the hardest job I've ever loved. Yeah. So if we We were a
0: good way to put it, if we're going to summarize a letter to the church for
1: this topic, um, I think it should come from Tom. Amen. Agreed. Dear church, parenting is the hardest job you will ever love. Often that is only aggravated when you're in the ministry. No parent is perfect, no child is perfect, but through personal experience and primarily through the Word of God, we learn some important concepts in relation to parenting pastor's children. This is not to say that being a pastor and a parent is a net negative for either the parent or the child. There are numerous advantages that come to those raised in pastor's homes. Such children get to be involved in ministry at a young age, and they get to do that ministry in a family context. Almost always, pastors have schedule flexibility, which greatly fosters quality time. On the other hand, pastors make mistakes by being too busy, by bringing the negative part of the ministry home, by cultivating a critical spirit, and by pressuring our children to perform. Some of these can be addressed by teaching our children to understand their pros and cons to any upbringing, and pointing them to the positives in their own discipleship must be a priority. Most of all, we must bring Christ into every area of life and do so intentionally. In this, as in all things, we must find our example and answer in the Lord. Our Heavenly Father is a perfect father to his so very imperfect children. May the Lord grant you and me both the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding to bring Christ to our homes. We respectfully remain your servants. Tom Brennan, Martin Wickens, Steve Rudnick, and Stephen Russ.